Montana. And I'm Samantha. And you're listening to Reaper Tales. Today, I'm going to tell Montana about part two of the story about Eric Robert Rudolph and his terrible, terrible, terrible acts. Um, But technically, we're going to be talking about him being missing, I guess. We're going to talk about the FBI manhunt for him and then what ended up happening to him because spoiler he got caught um but first montana what are we drinking well considering we're recording this right after we (laughs) recorded part one we are still drinking uh is it it's the black forest i believe is what it was called um yeah so if you're wanting to drink along with us Go ahead and make yourself a second one of those, unless you are in a car, you are in yeah, the middle don't. of work. Please don't do that. Uh, you know, you're doing something that's not at your house, you know, whatever. Um, I'm not going to go through the recipe again because I went through it on episode one, but we will and you post. Should have, and you should have listened to episode one. You so should you have. Know. Um, please listen to episode one before you listen to episode two. I don't know what... I don't know what this is about, but for some reason we get more downloads for episode two than we do for episode one. So if you've made it this far into the episode, this is, this is part two of a part of, of a two parter episode. (laughs) So go back one more and listen to that one. You really need to, we don't recap. So we we don't, you really need to listen to episode one first. So definitely go back. Just, just whoop, whoop. Skip back one more and listen to one more episode and then come back to this one. You can get a fancy drink recipe that is actually pretty tasty and it's been one of the tastier ones we've done. Uh, And you get to listen to all the outrage. Uh, Anyway. So much outrage. We'll post. I think that's the most, I think that's the most uh, outraged I've been and vocally outraged. (sighs) Well, I was. I was kind of I was of holding quiet. a lot back before. Yeah, I was kind of quiet during it. Um, mostly because what I had to say was not constructive. And if mm. it's not constructive, and it's not my therapist I'm talking to, I don't feel like I need to say it. Because she will just listen to whatever I have to say. And hopefully she's not listening to me right now. Uh, uh <laughs> She has recently found me on, <laughs> on Apple Podcasts and asked about it. Uh, Give, giving you more things to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully she's not listening to this. Uh, if she is, I feel like we probably have a lot more to discuss in my <laughs> therapy sessions. But uh, anyway, uh, if you're tuning in now into part two, you've already listened to part one. Welcome back. We're ready for you. Hopefully you got a fresh new drink. We both did. Cheers, Sam. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Bing. Bing. There we go. And I'm ready to hear about this little fuckhead and what is going on with him. So let's, name let's go. All right. So I left off that uh, he was the subject of one of the biggest manhunts in FBI history. The FBI spent five years. And around $24 million to find him. Using every possible uh, avenue. From bloodhounds to heat sensing helicopters to electric motion detectors. The last time he was seen was in Nantahala. At the home of a local health food store owner, George Nordman. On July 7th, 1998. Rudolph stopped there to ask for some food and supplies which Norman initially agreed to, but later changed his mind and reported to the authorities. The authorities believed Rudolph was hiding somewhere in the 830-square-mile Nantahala National Forest. The issue was partly that there was no clear place for him to set camp, as well as the fact that the locals seemed to have a lack of desire to help the authorities in their search. It was widely speculated that there were locals helping him to survive, as the police and the FBI believed there was no possible way 
he could survive the winter months in the forest without some help. Now do you get the drink? Oh, All right. Uh, so he's uh, in the Nantahala. That's Appalachian Mountains. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. No, nobody in the uh, Appalachian Mountains want to help authorities. They don't want to help you. Get the fuck off their lawn. No, I, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of distrust in that area um, of yeah. authorities. Uh, local or especially a national authority like FBI. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's see. According to the local assistant police officer, the FBI didn't request assistance from the local authorities, which could have helped things move along as they knew the terrain, caves, caverns, old mountain homes, etc., Many of the locals also felt the FBI weren't really devoting much effort to the hunt, commenting on how clean their clothes seemed to be when they saw them on the side of the road next to their coffee pots. That was almost like a quote, but it was basically the gist of what several people said in different articles. Look, if you walked into an Appalachian town right now in the the mountainous country of it, you'd be just... Because this is, this is the sticks, by the way. Like, this is yeah. not... A well-known area. This is not a popular area. It's not a tourist attraction. These are locals that are going to be coming through here. It's not a whole lot of other traffic. It'd be like the town I grew up in. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> That's true. It's kind of like the... It, I mean, I would say this is probably more in the sticks than the place I currently live, which is saying something. Yeah, I was saying a lot. Some postulated that they were simply there for appearances and publicity. Imagine that. Hmm. Meanwhile, the FBI believed that there were locals aiding Rudolph and thwarting their efforts to catch him due to their seemed support with regards to the views about anti-abortion and anti-gay rights. Yeah. I After that too. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's got to be a suspicion at least. After a time, many people following the story nationwide believed that Rudolph had simply died and would just never be located. But they were wrong. At the beginning of the search, there were hundreds of agents involved in the search for Rudolph. By 2000, the search was using increasingly less manpower. And by 2002, the search only included a dozen agents. Rudolph was captured May 30th, 2003 in Murphy, North Carolina. But not by FBI agents. It was actually a local rookie police officer that arrested him and didn't even know who he was. Barney Five? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Citizens arrest. Uh, (laughs) He had arrested a person he thought was a vagrant, and Rudolph had identified himself as Jerry Wilson when he caught him stealing food from a dumpster. When he brought him to the station, the officers there recognized Rudolph and informed the officer just who he had caught. At this point, Rudolph stated, "Eh, I'm Eric Robert Rudolph, and you've got me. I mean, I think at this point he was, I've seen pictures. He was pretty thin. He was pretty rough looking. I think he was kind of tired, honestly, at this point. I mean. Even with help, he had to be tired. He's about to get a, meals and a shelter and Appalachian Mountains aren't something that you fuck around with. People die out there all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, with a, a lot less time spent out there now that is something that was mentioned multiple times was that he was big into the outdoors his family were very much into being self-sustaining so a lot of their stuff that they had like you know they had a distillery out there for their water so that they didn't have to run it through um, public piping or whatever Um, they hunted for a lot of their meat Uh, they grew a lot of their own you know, vegetables, um, fruit, they, they did everything they could to be self-sustaining. So it's, he kind of was experienced in that at the very least. So he definitely had better than the average person's survival instincts built. Yeah. But at the same time, you can have all the experience in the world that you want, but if you don't have a place where you can go back to every single day, like, you you don't there's no way that you can survive if you're just continuously moving so you don't get caught unless you have a place a shelter and a place to grow food and a place to hunt mm-hmm. and bring that that hunt that meal back you you can't survive and there are some 
pretty gnarly wild animals in the Appalachian Mountains. So uh, you also yeah. have to worry about that. Bears, big cats, mountain lions. Yeah. yeah, you're yeah. Good luck. Yeah. I mean, and, and the, all that's valid, but I mean, that was actually my next paragraph is uh, many Americans were aghast that number one, he was still alive because I think the majority of them thought he had just died and they just couldn't find his body, but also that he had finally been captured. But even more, and I, I, I had to include this word because it came in my head when I was typing it. So I had to do a Montana and include it, but even more befuddling was <laughs> how he survived in the wilderness for five years. When you, Somebody helped him. That's, I mean, that's definitely one of the theories. Somebody when, helped him. When yeah. he was questioned, he explained that he had two camps, a winter camp and a summer camp located in two different areas of the forest. Obviously, he hunted wild game for food, stole other supplies that he needed from unoccup any unoccupied houses that he found, and he slept on the ground, which I don't know. I feel like with the wild game that's out there that could definitely eat you, I don't know how often he really slept on the ground. I feel like it would make more sense if he slept in trees, but that's just me. I watched hunger games. So, <laughs> and well, not, not necessarily sleeping in trees. Cause I mean, bears can climb trees, but uh, surprise, <laughs> but also there's cabins and stuff like that around there. Some of them are like seasonal cabin cab mm -hmm. cabins and things like that. He could have easily have just, broken into those and slapping that. But the thing is, if he breaks into him at any point, the owners could come in there and spot him and report him. So that is, that's still just saying like that would have to run through your mind. If you're going to break into a cabin, you never know when they might come home. They might not even be there gone seasonally. Cause he doesn't even know who owns the place or how often they're there. So it is possible that he did that, but I feel like it's more likely he had a place to stay when he needed to. Yeah. At yeah. the very least, he had a safe, like a safe camp that he could go to. He may not have stayed there, but when things got really rough, he probably had a place to go. Yeah. I, have, I feel like he probably had somebody who had a piece of property out there, whether it was like a property that had like a barn or something like that on it, where he could go and he could stay and they didn't have to like see him every day or even if he, even if he was like living inside somebody else's home. Cause he, I just can't see him living out, out there for five years. Just sleeping on the ground. Mm -mm. <laughs> no, stupid. he's just trying to like bolster his on like masculinity, oh, sure. which is actually seems honestly pathetic to me. Like pathetic in two ways, pathetic that he had to sleep on the ground. If that was actually true and pathetic that, um, he feels the need that he has to bolster it. So he's a pathetic human being. 100%. So there was never, there was never any evidence that he received any support from locals and the mayor publicly denied that anyone from his town provided any assistance. It's because the mayor has talked to everybody in his <laughs> fucking right. town to know. Obviously. <laughs> he knows them all personally. Okay. Mayor. Okay. <laughs> But like we said, it's pretty hard to believe that he survived that long with no assistance. I just don't see it. I just don't see how that's even possible. Um, of course, it is possible he could have stumbled upon people here and there that maybe didn't recognize him as the person on the 10 most wanted list nationwide. Possibly. Maybe. It could happen. I mean, after five years, that, you know, that local rookie cop had no idea who he was. So he was probably looking pretty rough. Um, so it's entirely possible that maybe he got help from people who just genuinely didn't know who he was. It's possible. Well, I, okay. I, and I can see that too. And but. You're th also thinking about too, you're in the Appalachians. Did they really watch a lot of that kind of stuff? Did they really believe in a lot of that kind of stuff? Like what if these people are out in the sticks and they're living off the land? They may not even have a TV. Well, a so, lot of them were. I mean, it again, are. it's possible. Yeah. Still are off the grid. Yeah, that's why you go up there half the time. Uh, but this, oh, you, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's just, it's funny to me that they, the, I wouldn't have thought anything about it 
not a millisecond of it. Had the mayor not come out and said, nobody in my town helped him. Thou doth protest too much. <laughs> Thou doth protest too much. Good sir. <laughs> so it just, it kind of like lends more credibility in my eyes that somebody in that town or somebody around that town did help. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody didn't like that mayor. Come on. Somebody in that town did not like that mayor. Yeah. I'm, I'm still missing I one vote, vote. I didn't <laughs> vote for you. You're not my mayor. But no, I just, you know, and maybe I'm wrong. And, you know, if I'm wrong, tell me if you've lived five years out in the Appalachian successfully without help from other people and without any benefit of technology past 1994? Seven. Yeah. It, well, 98 was the last time he was seen before he was caught. Yeah, but whatever. Then tell me how wrong I am. But I just don't see... I just don't... He he was a homesteader. He, he grew up as a homesteader. Like, his family was very, very off the land, you know, able to take care of themselves. But again, the thing about a homesteader is that they have a home. Mm-hmm. And you can't. Yeah, and I really didn't even think about that until that. you mentioned it. That a lot of that you really can't do if you're on the run. Yeah, you can have all the techniques and all of that stuff that you want, but you can't grow a garden if you're leaving. Well, I mean, that garden. even if you watch any of those shows where it's like naked and afraid or any of those things where they drop Alone. them off in the wilderness and they have to figure out how to survive, that's one of the very first things they do is build a camp. Yeah. You need a camp. So if you can't do that, and that's one of the things that they point out, especially in like, I watch, I think it's called Alone. Um, that's the one I'm talk- thinking about. But they put them in like the Alaskan wilderness. And if they didn't build the camp, they were dead. Like they knew it. They had only so long to do it in order to survive. And if Girl, they didn't do it, they gave up. Can we talk about Alone for a minute? Because I fucking <laughs> okay. love It's a good alone. show. It's, it's so good. The difference. I learned like, so much about how they have to like the kind of stuff that they have to eat. Yeah, tell me about it. And like, uh, and so they do it in different areas. And the difference between the those two shows is like, I used to love Naked and Afraid. I'm like, these bitches are naked and they're having to see each other's buttholes and things like that. And you know, it's like a couple of weeks that they're there, maybe three weeks at most. But these people who are on alone. They're there for like seasons. They're there for like mm-hmm. several weeks. And it is just months sometimes. Because yeah. it's it's the way that it works months. is the last person standing wins. Mm-hmm. So it lasts however long it, it takes for their dog to be one left. They don't know how many people have gone. And I'm just like, I remember I got into this. I got it. I'm sorry to get off on this tangent, but maybe you need a little bit of levity in this case. I did. Uh, we did one just a minute ago. So yeah. this is a welcome, welcome distraction. Like, the first time I watched it, I was just like, I was like on the edge of my my seat. And by the end of it, I was just like, I would, I would have gone home night two. I would have just. Oh, I, I kept would've... thinking that the whole time I was watching. I'm like, I would go home. I would just go home. Why are you still there? I would go home. My clumsy ass. Are you kidding me? I would have fallen down, broken my neck and ripped half the skin off of my back. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't have survived. Wouldn't the Alaskan have... one was really fascinating just because of some of the difficulties there. Cause you're dealing with, you're dealing with the cold, but you're dealing with the cold in multiple ways. Cause you're dealing with the, the water's going to ice over and it's going to be thick. You're not even going to be able to fish. Yeah. So then how are you going to get the animals? Because the animals, a lot of them are hibernating. So where are you, how are you going to find stuff? Then you got to find animals that have fat. It's wintertime. They haven't eaten either. They don't have a lot of fat. So it's like, it's really fascinating to see the kind of things they have to think of. And, and sometimes, a lot of times, they're like, I can't believe how lucky I got on X day because I got this thing that I needed so badly. Yeah. And so, and that all goes back to like, there's no fucking way this dude just lived ah. for five years in the Appalachian Mountains. Well, I mean, even they have, there. like, supplies that are dropped. And they have access yeah. to things, medical emergencies. They have the ability to call in help. So, I mean, even in that situation, they're not completely really alone. They're about as alone as you could be. 
but they're more prepared than they're, I would Yeah, think they're not living been. out there for an entire year. It's several months, but... And in this area, it's not like being in Alabama where you get four seasons in one week. This is... Their cold is cold. Yeah. And it would be very challenging to survive. And how are you keeping all of these supplies with you for both winter and summer times? It's not possible. You'd have to oh, have somewhere to store it. Sam, he has two different camps. <laughs> Genius. Sure. So okay. Slack. All right. I'm fine. All right. Let's move on. Let's move all on. Right. I think, so, the, I think the gist is he, he didn't do that alone. And that's what we're it's, agreeing it's on. Here. You and I are agreeing unlikely. on it. You know what? Experts can tell us to fuck off. Um, we're just going to delete your email. So go on. <laughs> Well, this also raised another thought. Did he kill anyone between the time he disappeared in the wilderness and when he was caught? It's a possibility. It seems awfully odd that he would stay so quiet and hidden after being in the spotlight for so long. Because you know that's one thing about these people. They love to be in the spotlight. They love for their crimes to be out there and in the open and people talking about it. And the viciousness of his attacks and the hatred he had for those people, it would seem very odd for him to just be able to swallow that for five years. But he also had targeted audiences for his attacks. And true. I know he wouldn't have had that. he wouldn't have had a lot of that more than likely. I know that things have changed in the past 40 years, but the Appalachian Mountains area was not the most forgiving or liberal area at the time. So, fair point. All right. So, just a thought. I mean, that was one thing that they had thought about a lot was, did he kill anybody who maybe did live off the grid so nobody would have noticed that they were missing? Yeah, Again, I, I feel like they would have eventually, but it could be years before somebody would know anything about it, especially if they only came into town when they needed supplies, which probably wasn't that often. I had a really fucked up thought when you said that, and I'm going to cut this. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and say it and then I'm just going to put a bleep noise in uh, but, okay. <laughs> but I want to get your reaction to what I'm about to say but I'm going to bleep it out Why am what, I if, what if he went into a home and he like I can't want to say Bates Motel these people but I know that's not right he went in he killed people and then he just sat their bodies up at the kitchen table and he just spent <laughs> an entire season with them <laughs> Because he was lonely. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's where my fucking but mind I, went. Because all I, I could think of was like too. this guy sitting at the kitchen table with a bunch of dead bodies around it. And I was just like, ugh. <laughs> all I can think of is the house of a thousand corpses. <laughs> and that's where I'm going to pick the recording up at. Is what you say. All I can think of is the house of a thousand corpses. Man, you would suck. <laughs> all right. Keep Rude. going. I'm sorry. On June 3rd, he appeared before a federal judge, and in April 2005, he confessed to all four bombings in a plea deal to avoid the death penalty. He was instead served two consecutive life sentences for the 1998 murder of a police officer and four consecutive life sentences plus 120 years for his bombings in Atlanta. I will give a caveat here. Several places said two consecutive life sentences plus 120 years, and several places said four consecutive life sentences. Dude ain't getting out. That's all there is to that. Um, either Con way. Consecutive. I always get I always get a mix up. Consecutive is back to back to back to back. Right, one after the other. Concurrent is at the same time. You know what? Maybe don't start those words with the same letter. Letter. <laughs> This, well, con, people, consecutive, people concurrent, with, yeah, con. People with dyslexia have a hard time enough, okay? Fair, that's fair. Go on. He claimed that the assault on the nightclub, you had asked, was because he believed gay rights movement was a direct, quote, a direct assault upon the long-term health and integrity of civilization, unquote, or end quote. He also said he didn't mind closeted homosexuality, but there should be no societal acceptance as it should be ruthlessly opposed. Uh, can you repeat that? I'm sorry. How much of it? All of it? All of it. 
He claimed that the assault on the nightclub was because he believed the gay rights movement was a, quote, direct assault upon the long-term health and integrity of civilization, end quote. He also said he didn't mind closeted homosexuality, but there should be no societal acceptance and it should be, quote, ruthlessly opposed, end quote. Um, I don't think I've ever and I've heard this before. What? That 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 statement of oh I don't mind it just they just need to keep it in their house they don't need to be out and about with it I don't shoving think... it in my face no they freaking want to live their lives and do the things that you do holding hands and and hugging and kissing in public you do it why shouldn't they I don't think I've ever been speechless on this podcast and I feel like I I am now well it's pretty rare in your life in general but yeah. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, he's, he's a piece of shit. Okay. The U.S. attorney, David Nahimas, I think is how you pronounce it, stated, quote, there can be no doubt anymore about who is responsible for these crimes, and there can be no uncertainty about the results of long and complex trials, end quote. As part of his plea deal, he had to provide locations of any other bombs as well as any other parts or ingredients for his bombs. He disclosed the location of approximately 250 pounds of dynamite. According to... I'm sorry. No, you can't just say something like that. Wait, let me finish. Okay, She's almighty. Right. I'm just, it's just <laughs> 200 pounds yeah. of this stuff, but I've been slumming it in <laughs> the yeah. Appalachian Mountains for Wait, five years. Is. The fuck? He was just waiting until he could make his appearance again and do something else. Oh my God. I just wanted to put this into perspective because he did and I thought it was good. According to, uh, it's not Namias, Namias. I, I really don't know for sure how to say his name. Until last week, a part of Western North Carolina was literally a hidden minefield. You may not appreciate how much dynamite 250 pounds is until you realize that Rudolph's bombs that caused so much devastation in Atlanta and Birmingham each contained five to 15 pounds of dynamite. That's up to 50 times the amount. No, I mean, I've made a bomb before. I mean, I've never <laughs> made a bomb before. Why did I say that? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Kids in the country made pipe bombs, okay? Um, this is true. And they were not anywhere near a pound in the... What? <laughs> Yeah, that's 15 pounds. What was and, and that's the question. What was his plan? And he says it was it was basically a hidden minefield, the entire the entire western part of North Carolina. So he had it all over the place. So he was um he was basically he was doing kill kits like um uh, Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't specify that, but it he says a part of western. So he's saying a part was just had it all over the place. So I don't know that it was necessarily like, you talking about like, uh, I think his name was Isaiah. Isaiah. No, Ezekiel. Isaiah. Okay. Was it Keys? Keys. Yeah. Yeah. He had death kits just all over and he would just have them ready whenever he needed them. He didn't, well, he didn't have a purpose behind what he was doing. He was just doing it to whoever and whenever and when he got an inkling. Well, there's never really a purpose, but yeah. No, there's not really. Whatever. Well, this guy actually had a this purpose. Guy, this guy did. Uh, the authorities had already discovered that Rudolph had obtained 340 pounds of dynamite prior to all of the other, all, all of the bombings, but did not have a location until he provided it with a map indicating the whereabouts. The dynamite was considered too volatile to be moved, so it was destroyed safely by experts on site. So they didn't even, like, confiscate it. They just went ahead and destroyed it. Good. All right, this is, this is tough. Uh, I'm going to feel like I need a shower after this. But because his statement had chilling moments of honesty and things that are true, unfortunately, even today, I wanted to include parts of it. So this is all going to be a quote. And it's infuriating, so I'm going to do my best. But in his statement, he said, quote, Washington had a problem, and this is why they entered into this deal. 
The problem that they had was that a significant minority of the population, especially here in northern Alabama, regarded what happened there at the abortion facility on that day of January 29, 1998, as morally justified. It is my opinion some of these people were likely to vote not guilty no matter what evidence was presented to them. Their jury questionnaire centered on efforts to discover and exclude those potential jurors who held strong anti-abortion beliefs. This is why they approached us. They were afraid that in at least one jurisdiction they were going to run into the recalcitrant pro-life juror who would hang the jury and deliver a political defeat and embarrassment to Washington's efforts to make an example out of the person who assaulted their specially protected policy of child murder. The evidence was sufficiently weak enough for us to talk to this juror, and they were afraid of this, so they offered the deal. The fact that I have entered an agreement with the government is purely a tactical choice on my part and in no way legitimate, legitimates, which is not the word, the moral authority of the government to judge this matter. Abortion is murder, and when the regime in Washington legalized, sanctioned, and legitimized this practice, they forfeited their legitimacy and moral authority to govern. At various times in history, in the history of men and women of good conscience, have had to decide when the lawfully constituted authorities have overstepped their moral bounds and forfeited their right to rule. This took place in July of 1776, when our forefathers decided that the British crown had violated the essential rights of Englishmen and therefore lost its authority to govern. And in January of 1973, the government in Washington decided to descend into barbarianism by sanctioning the ancient practice of infanticide by that act consigned 50 million unborn children to their graves. There is no more legitimate reason, to my knowledge, for announcing allegiance to, and if necessary, using force to drag this monstrosity of a government down to the dust where it belongs. <laughs> this next statement. I am not an anarchist. <laughs> but the last three paragraphs would beg to differ, sir. <laughs> Please look up the definition of that word. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, <laughs> uh, it gets better. I have nothing against government or law enforcement in general. It's solely <laughs> it is solely for the reason that this government has legalized the murder of children that I have no allegiance to nor do I recognize the legitimacy of this particular government in Washington. Sir, you set <laughs> off bombs in areas where children were. You actually harmed an actual child. Mm -hmm. He's not an anarchist. <sighs> what the fuck are you talking about? What the fuck? Well, surprise, he has contradictions in his statements. <laughs> oh my god. I just... right. We're halfway through. Hang on. Because I believe that abortion is murder, I also believe that force is justified and in an attempt to stop it. Because the government is committed to the policy of maintaining the policy of abortion and protecting it, and the agents of this government are the agents of mass murder, whether knowingly or unknowingly. And whether these agents of the government are armed or otherwise, they are legitimate targets in the war to end this Holocaust. Which, by the way, he didn't think happened especially those agents who carry arms in defense of this regime and the enforcement of its laws. This is the reason and the only reason for the targeting of so-called law enforcement personnel. By the way, this was for his trial in Alabama. So when he says targeting so-called law enforcement personnel, he's talking about the guy he killed. Understandably, the majority of Americans who have dehumanized these millions of children, which another pause, you're dehumanizing a law enforcement officer that you killed, by the way, with the label of fetus are able to kill in good conscience and to recognize and support the government, which sanctions this. Those who call themselves pro-life and who claim that abortion is murder and those who use force to prevent it are just as morally reprehensible as the abortionists. No, um, no, 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 no fucking no, no. Okay. All right. No. A, a person 
a human being is not a human being until it is born. It is, it is still a part of another person's body. That is, it's fact. It's fact. If you take that fetus from that human's body, it is not going to survive. So it is. It's a not part, a separate human being. It is a part of that human's body. However, people who are walking around living their lives and being actual human beings are humans. And so by killing them when they're walking around the, the street, they're celebrating the Olympics, they are going for their annual checkups, they're going for a filling at their dentist's office, because no, I have not forgotten about the dentist. They're going to talk to their lawyer about getting a divorce from their stupid husband who farts too much and or is an abusive asshole or is an abusive asshole look i'm just talking about myself because my husband farts too much and that's why and I, I was would talking about him. myself <laughs> <laughs> my point not is, current by the way x just to clarify people who have already established their lives and are people of society and they have something to benefit like they and i'm not saying that an unborn fetus may not or may will like do some kind of benefit to society but until they're born it's it you can't that life is not more important than somebody who is already alive it's not and it's go the decision that's the decision when you try to make uh, a, a decision pro-life or otherwise you're not pro-life because if you you you're cannot not you cannot tell me right now you cannot tell me right now if men had to carry children in their ball sack and every time they had a child one of their ball sacks exploded uh and so they'd be left with only one and if they wanted to have two they'd have no ball sacks so that they would have children or they, they wouldn't have a more aggressive form of birth control or they wouldn't have a more aggressive form of abortion this isn't about it's not about unborn children it's about controlling women and this guy sounds like he's never been fucked in his life and that's all he wants to do is control women. well if he started out the date by talking like this i can't imagine he ever got past the first date a la he's a bitch so go on yeah okay so Continuing his tirade, for those I have nothing to say other than that you are liars, hypocrites, and cowards. There is no more fundamental duty for a moral citizen than to protect the innocent from assault. Here we go. This is inherent in the values of all higher civilizations. You have the right, the responsibility, and the duty to come to the defense of the innocent when the innocent are under assault. Would you protect your children from the clutches of a murderer? Would you protect your neighbor's children when they're under assault? If you answered yes to both of these, then you must support the use of force as a justified attempt to prevent the murder that is abortion. The no. fact this no. that I told you he had a very interesting way of justifying no. his no. actions. I will protect my neighbor's children. I will protect my neighbors from being attacked from an assault. I will protect anyone in my vicinity from being attacked from an assault. What I will not do is to actively attack somebody who is going for a health care concern. What the Well, if somebody came at a child that I didn't even know and I had a way of doing away with that person to save the child, hell yes, I yeah. would do that. That is not the same story in the smallest sense of the word. No, it's not. We are talking about two very different situations. You are actively attacking people who are going for health care. If somebody walked into my neighbor's house with a gun and was going to shoot them, I would do everything in my power to try and protect them. Well, maybe not them. Maybe them. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Anybody's getting attacked in my vicinity, I'm probably getting, because I'm an idiot and I like to jump in front of 
trains and shit like that. I would do anything to protect your nose and business. That's none of your, (laughs) yeah, I, I would do that, but attacking somebody else because they're at their, because you're making an assumption on what they're doing there, even though you have absolutely fuck all idea of what they're actually doing. What are you doing, sir? I, your arguments are bullshit. Oh my gosh, I could go. I started to say something. I'm not going to go. We're going to we're going to move. No, on. do it, do it, do it. No, it's going to start a whole another conversation. No, it's, it's not. Like I I won't say anything. I won't say anything. Go ahead, say it. So it's kind of like senators who think that ectopic pregnancies are a problem in abortion, when they're never hundred percent of the time viable, never, never. Okay, I said I wouldn't say anything, but you're completely <laughs> right. I mean, uh, I don't want my fallopian tubes to explode. I don't want to die of sepsis. I, it's it's a viable reason to have an abortion. It's it's a necessary reason. It's it's not viable. It's it's a necessary reason. It's a necessary it, it reason. It's a hundred percent of the time that child that fetus that clump of cells is hundred percent of the time it's not going to survive. Hundred percent of the time. But chances are the woman will die if it's yeah. not taken care of. There's that. I mean, yeah. there's there's a very, 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 very small percentage that her body will handle it. Very small. Outside of that, she will die. So that's all I'm going to go on. Okay, we'll move on. The fact of the matter, quote, his quote, not mine, just clarifying again. The fact of the matter is that if you recognize the right to protect the innocent from assault and also recognize that abortion is murder, but do not recognize the right to use force to prevent this murder, then the only logical conclusion is that you do not consider that the unborn have a legitimate claim to life. However, if you do recognize abortion is murder and that unborn children should be protected and you still insist that force is unjustified to stop abortion, then you can be none other than cowards standing idly by in the fact of the worst massacre massacre in human history. Sir, and that you're is all I'm quoting from his statement because it was like five pages long. You were trying but to it gives you a very, very good idea of what it would be like to go into his brain and scratch around for a little while. He was trying to create the okay, whatever. All right. He, that, I mean, that's, that is a good summary of his ideas of how he's justifying his actions. That's fine. Whatever. Whatever he wants to believe. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have Delusion. my, I'm going to have my husband here in bear form <laughs> to make me feel better. What the hell? <laughs> that is creepy as fuck. You want to take a picture of that? Uh, <laughs> post that on Instagram. Hang on. He's my he's my um, emotional support husband bear. So <laughs> it's so creepy. <laughs> okay, hold hold on hold on to the teddy. <sighs> All right, so we're past that. Rudolph was also sued by Emily Lyons for her injuries and was ordered to pay one hundred and fifteen million dollars. He had, obviously she's not going to get that. He attempted to have the ruling overturned, claiming he wasn't properly served the lawsuit, but it was denied, and the initial decision was upheld with no comments from (laughs) the court system. Obviously, they'll never collect that money, and they said that wasn't their motive. They simply just didn't want him to ever make a dime and possibly profit from his crimes or notoriety. Regardless of how he comes to any money, whether that's by anything related to his crimes or even an inheritance, she will get the quote unquote first $115 million. (laughs) I say quote unquote because I doubt he's inheriting anything. No, he's not. Definitely not. Uh, Judging by the way it sounds, I I would be very surprised if his family had much money at all. But there goes his commissary money. So, yep. Fuck right off. Eric Robert Rudolph is still alive today, serving his sentence at the ADX Florence Supermax Prison in Colorado, the same prison that houses the Unabomber Ted Kaczynski and Ramzi Yusuf, who was the quote-unquote mastermind of the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. There's no opportunity for parole in the federal prison system. He spends 23 hours per day in an 80-square-foot concrete cell. 
Rudolph has never revealed any co-conspirators in either the crimes or while he was hiding. He attempted unsuccessfully to have part of his sentence vacated in 2021. According to Wikipedia, because I only found like two essays about this, essays written by Rudolph that condone violence and militant action have been published on the internet by an Army of God anti-abortion activist. Although victims maintain that Rudolph's messages are harassment and could incite violence, the prison can do little to restrict their publication. According to Alice Martin, who is the United States Attorney for the Northern District of Alabama when Rudolph was prosecuted for the Alabama bombing, an inmate does not lose his freedom of speech, she said. As reported in an April 8, 2013 Alabama blog article, Rudolph's book Between the Lines of Drift, The Memoirs of a Militant, was published with help from his brother by Lulu.com in February of 2013. In April of 2013, the U.S. Attorney General seized $200 to help pay off the, the uh, $1 million debt that Rudolph owes in restitution to the state of Alabama. The book has since been republished and has been made available through the Army of God website if you care to purchase. I'm sure everybody's going to be rushing to the website. Don't purchase that book. Don't do it. I Don't go to that website. Trust me, you don't want to even... You don't even want to go on that website. Um, yeah, here it is. I, this is where I talk about the the series that they have. I wasn't able to watch that, but if it does, if that series that I I had mentioned in part one does come available, Manhunt the Deadly uh, Deadly Games. Right now, you can only get it on Spectrum, which is weird. I think that's the first time I've ever seen that. But if it ever comes available for streaming anywhere else, I'll definitely watch it. It was on Netflix initially. So I'm not really sure why it's only on Spectrum, but uh, I couldn't even buy it on Amazon as an option. It's literally unavailable except through Spectrum. (sighs) I got to take a deep breath because this one, this was probably one of the hardest parts about researching this because this really worries me. Most recently this year, Right around the same time, the nation was focused on the Supreme Court possibly overturning Roe v. Wade. Coincidence? I don't think so. Rudolph asked the federal appeals to reverse his plea deal and sentence. He had already been denied by federal judges in both Alabama and Georgia last year. The court gave his attorneys until May 13th to file a briefing regarding the basis for their appeal. By the way, I have yet to be able to find a single article that says anything since then. So I have no idea if they met that deadline, if there's there, if it's even been looked at by the court, if there's a court date, nothing. There is nothing. I looked every possible way I could, but there, the one article and the other articles that I could find that were about this all referenced the AL.com article that I'm about to quote. In the two district court cases, Rudolph is asking to have all four of those life sentences dropped and then wants the court to unbundle the sentencing package of the original judgment and revisit the prison terms on the remaining counts. According to the Georgia judge's ruling on November 8, 2021, Rudolph argued that the sentences were part of a larger sentencing package, and if several of the sentences are vacated, then the package wouldn't be enforceable. The U.S. Attorney's Office argued the sentences are separate and can stand alone, not just in a package. Rudolph's arguments in the lower court cases stemmed from a 2019 Supreme Court case that ruled part of a crime's statute was unconstitutionally vague and therefore void. Under federal law, there is an enhanced penalty for anyone guilty of using, carrying, or possessing a firearm or explosive device in, quote, relation to any crime of violence or drug trafficking crime, end quote. The term crime of violence is then further defined in two clauses, and in one of those clauses is what SCOTUS struck down in June 2019. The convicted bomber argued in the filings that arson can't be considered a crime of violence in the high court's definition after the change. 
According to the federal judge in Alabama's order, Rudolph's legal argument is sound. But Rudolph pleaded guilty in both cases, and that argument and that agreement meant he couldn't appeal. In another case, perhaps, this would be the end of the inquiry, and the sentence for the offense would be vacate, vacated. Here, however, the court must also ask whether, under the terms of his binding plea agreement, Rudolph gave up his right to file this case motion in the first place. And that's from Senior District Judge Linwood Smith. Um, he wrote that in his order on July 2021. I'm going to let that sit for a minute. When I tell you my blood ran cold... When I found this information, I'm not exaggerating. I sat in my seat and my mind just went blank that this, this is even a thing. It's terrifying that a monster like this could even have a case for appeal, but I have yet to find anything further filed, which scares me even more. I'll end it on a statement from Jeff Lyons, who was Emily Lyons' uh, husband. But I just want to say, like, the fact that I couldn't find anything else really scares me because they had a deadline and nothing was set after that. And that's May. We're going into September. That's months. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on it because I want to know. But it also really terrified me that I never heard anything about I hadn't heard this case. And I sure as hell never heard anything about him trying to get an appeal. But let's go for Jeff Lyons, because this is how he responded when he found out that Rudolph was trying to get an appeal. He said, you can appeal anything. Whether or not you win is a whole other story. If his conviction is overturned, that's fine. Jeff Lyons said he was never charged with murder, so it would not be double jeopardy. And if the conviction is overturned, it's not double jeopardy because it's like the conviction never happened. So if he wants to go back and face murder with the death sentence back on the table, that's fine by me. What Rudolph did was a federal offense, so he was never charged with murder in Alabama or Georgia, he, he added. So if he wants to go back and put the death sentence back on the table, good luck. What, what, I'm, 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 uh, uh, um, a li- yeah, all those things. Um, I'm a little confused. Yes, what he did, he did murder somebody. Um. But what he did was a terrorist act. Which made it federal. Which made it federal. So I don't understand. I guess I... I, And I don't understand the legal system to that extent, I guess. I feel like somebody who is a domestic terrorist... these appeals that he's talking about where they may be legitimate based on his initial like charges and what he was convicted of the bigger picture should be like a federal suit against him and i don't understand why they didn't do a federal suit against him because he crossed state lines he created um, weapons of mass destruction. Well, he's talking about he, he was a his was a plea deal. So his was a plea deal, and he talked it off about it being a plea deal because he he was trying to be a better person. That's pretty much what I got from that. What he is basically what he's saying is because the sentencing package was from the plea deal, but then the actual statute that he was being. Uh, not necessarily charged with, but what brought him to a federal court, they're stating it was vague. So therefore the whole case is moot because the whole thing that was brought to court that he ended up pleading out of, it's been shot down already. So, but it also, from what I could tell was not retroactive. So I don't know that he can necessarily do it, but, all I know is it was bone chilling. I don't know all the details. It was really frustrating because I couldn't find anything outside of this article. Literally nothing. Everybody, like I said, every other article that I saw that reported this re- used the referenced the AL.com um, 
article that they posted. So there wasn't any other information. Hang on just a minute. So his, um, um, it was supposed to come up in May. And you've well, started- his attorneys had to su- submit their basis for the appeal by May 13th. All of that should be like public record. Mm-hmm. I, I I honestly I tried to look it up in every way I could think to look it up that I could access his appeal case from 2021 that they've referenced. I could not find anything for this year except for this article. Well, if anyone out there knows how to get information like that, let us know. In the meantime, I am going to call the local <laughs> court and see if we can get that information. Because why the fuck not that I do weird shit like that all the time? Normally people just tell you no or they hang up on you. Um, Well, I mean, you don't know if you don't ask, so. Yeah, exactly. It just seems very sketchy that they would go through all that. They would make a bunch of, like, publicity about everything else. And then all of a sudden he's supposed to have this appeals case in May. And not even an appeals case, but... um, a pre a pre it's like them initially seeking the appeal yeah so the judge is like uh all right tell us more by this date and we'll say if we're even gonna hear anything yeah so it's i don't know what it feels like and because i couldn't access it i feel like maybe that it got shot down but i'm just surprised that that wasn't reported at all yeah you i would yeah i would assume this was reported i would think that they would report hey, the attorneys actually did turn it in and the court was like, fuck off. Unless he's dead. Is he dead? No, he's not dead. He's still alive. Damn it. One can hope. <laughs> um, we can always hope. No, well, it's just, that's that's very weird. Um, we'll have to do some And the fact that. that it just wasn't, it just wasn't talked about. Like, it's just, this is it. Yeah, and this- all the other articles basically got their story from this story, so... I don't, I don't know, I, I didn't think to look at who wrote the article, but I don't know how AL, AL.com got this information. That's interesting. Hmm. So yeah, um, by all means, if you have any other information, please, let please, us please know. share. If you may be a lawyer who might be associated with this. We won't tell anybody. You can totally submit anonymously. Yeah. Make a fake email. Email us at reapergals at reapertales.com. Uh, and let hey, us no, know. I have to do it later. <laughs> you still have to do it later. Okay. But what a fucking turd face. Like, yeah. How can. Like, that's why I say there's like no redeeming qualities at all. I mean, I understand, like, regardless of whatever you've been put into prison for, you're going to do appeals. You're going to do But you appeal- can't. I mean, to, it, that's what they said. Like, this is, I don't even know how he's, that's kind of what they were saying. Like, technically, he shouldn't even be able to do this. Because a part of his plea deal, he couldn't appeal anything. So. But with a change in that's, the law. That's what they're saying is, but this is a change in law. So we have to look at it and, and really make a decision. But I guess that's like the one caveat. Obviously, if the law changes, then they can appeal. It just, it just seems, uh, I don't know. I, I can't, I can't wrap my head around this guy. And so it's hard for me to like vocalize how I feel right now because I'm a little bit overwhelmed with anger. Understandably so. And so I'm trying and, to hold it back. You can't. Bit. There was something that I saw a long time ago, and I think I sent it to you too. When you come across a person and your mind goes to, I cannot fathom how that person could do or say such things. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because you, you just, you can't even go there. And that's where I am with this guy. I don't, I don't even know where he comes with. I don't know how he came to any of the conclusions that he ever did in his entire life. Honestly. Yeah. No kidding. There are people, literally, there are people that I legitimately hate in my life, but I would never want to harm them. No. 
ever. I would. I don't want to harm anybody. I don't want to hurt anyone. It is. It has never been my purview. It has never been on my radar to harm or hurt anyone. Stay the hell away from me. Yeah. That's, but, that's called placing boundaries. But I'd never want to harm or hurt anybody. And so it's it's always hard for me to understand people like this. People like this who can hurt people who they don't even know simply because they have a belief that is different than somebody else's. It's not. And, and then the other thing is it's not even targeting like a person like with serial killers, they have a type or they follow a person and attack them. He literally had no idea who was going to be hurting these bombs. He just stuck them in places yeah. and let them do their damage. Yeah. And he wasn't even, gonna, he wasn't even, fully targeting those those groups the abortion clinics the gay and lesbian bars so he wasn't actually targeting them he was targeting anybody that might be in the vicinity of them he was targeting anybody in that park that day it didn't matter to him no and the fact that he could even come up with pages to justify his actions is it's impressive, but not in a good way. Yeah. So kudos to him for being a fuckhead. Hopefully we can get some more information on him. We will have a, uh, a an update episode soon. Well, we'll have an episode where the beginning of it will be an update on uh, previous cases that we've covered. We've gotten some information about some episodes. I don't know why I'm saying this because I think this might come out after. But whatever. You might hear it after. Um, we will be releasing updates whenever we get them at the beginning of certain episodes, unless we get to a point where we can do a Patreon and we can do all the up updates on like one episode for our patrons if we ever get to that point. But yeah. But until then, um, we do have some updates coming very soon to some episodes we will be releasing. And if this episode comes out after those episodes, because we have no idea what our timeline looks like at this point. And we're just recording multiple episodes in like a week. Because we love you all. And we're so happy you're here to listen to us. We, and we don't want you to have to go more than a week without an episode. So Yeah, because I, I know my voice is putting a bunch of you to sleep right now. JK, nobody can fall asleep hey. to something like this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I actually do regularly. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, I meant to my voice, not to what I was talking about. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. No, not to your voice. Oh gosh. No. <laughs> uh, but I do want to go ahead and say, and this might be just me being mushy and because I just woofed down like a bunch of chicken nuggets um, and I'm feeling happy again in my belly. Um <laughs> I just want to thank all the listeners that are out there. I know we make a joke about there only being five, but we know that there are more than five. We can see you on a map, actually. And Which actually, really cool. I do want to, I want to, before we end this, I want to go ahead and ask this question. And hopefully this person is listening. Um, hang on. I'm going to pause it while I, I pull this map up. All right. I got the map pulled up. Um, and I just want to ask if you are the person who is listening in Kansas and you are near Cheney Reservoir, can you just like shoot us an email or something like that? Um, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> and if you do send us an email, um, I will... I will send you a screenshot of why I asked that <laughs> because you've been listening since close to the beginning of when we started this podcast. And thank you, by the way. And thank you, by the way. Uh, we love you, whoever you are. I just, I, I need to show you what I saw when you showed up <laughs> on the map. Anyway, for everybody else that is listening, we appreciate you listening to us. How um, much? so much we've we've gotten quite the broad listenership at this point um 
And I, again, way I more than I think either one of us would have ever thought yeah. um, would be possible. Uh, we, sure. we started doing this just because this is something that we like to do. We like to listen to it. It's like, hey, let's just do one of our, of our own and talk about cases that we don't hear about. Um, because uh, we have nothing better to do with the 30 minutes of free time we have every day. Let's yeah. fill that right back up. So, and it gives Montana and I an excuse to get to see each other at least once a week and chat for a little bit. So seriously, we really appreciate every single one of you. Definitely. So, um, love you all. Uh, Samantha, where can our, multiple listeners find us on instagram at reaper tales podcast you can find us at reaper tales podcast on facebook you can email us i have to say it again at reaper giles at reaper com. and i can't stress this enough whoever it is in campus <laughs> please email us. whoever you are near chi reservoir can you please just email us i just want to i just want to talk to you that is all. Um, we need more information. <laughs> I need. I I have so many questions. Um, you can rate, review, subscribe on any platform that you're listening to, except or that you want to listen to, except for Pandora, because Pandora's uh, submission thing has been broken for like two months, and I've been trying to get in there. But as soon as they will allow us to publish on there, I'll let you guys know. But anywhere else you want to listen to, we are available. Except for Pandora. So talk to Pandora about that problem. Not me. Um, until next time. The Reaper will come for us all.